Welcome to this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast. I'm Katie Mulligan, Editor-in-Chief of ACG's magazine, Middle Market Growth. Today's episode is brought to you by QBE North America, part of QBE Insurance Group Limited, one of the largest insurers and reinsurers worldwide. QBE operates out of 27 countries around the globe with a presence in every key insurance market. Our episode today is the third in a series delving into the mid-sized company risk report, which was based on a survey commissioned by QBE North America and ACG earlier this year. I'll briefly recap those earlier podcast episodes, both of which are available on our website and in our podcast feed. In the first, we talked about the overall findings of the survey and how companies and insurers could work together to address risks posed by the pandemic. The second podcast episode focused on how social inflation is increasing liability risk and some of the loss control services that can help companies minimize potential losses. That brings us to today's episode where we're going to focus on what to do once a loss occurs. For that, I'm joined by QBE's Eric Sanders, the head of QBE North America's claim team. Eric, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Kitty. It's great to be here. So one really interesting finding in the risk report uh, was that mid-sized company executives cited crisis management and recovery services as their top unmet need to reduce risk exposure. I'm sure that was top of mind because of the pandemic, but COVID is, is really just one example of the type of event that can cause a crisis. Other events that might fall into that crisis category that are probably a bit more commonplace could be you know, the destruction of an office or factory building, or the need to defend a high stakes lawsuit, for example. So with those types of events in mind, can you talk about how an insurer's claim department can play a role in providing the crisis management and and recovery services that so many executives told us they really need? Absolutely. Listen, I I think that for all businesses, but especially mid-sized businesses, reputation is paramount to success. So it's understandable that crisis management and recovery services are cited as some of those top unmet needs. And and traditional crisis management and recovery services that address the potential negative impacts which events like a pandemic can have on on any business are are certainly topical and, as you said, were addressed in, in the earlier podcasts. But there are a whole host of risks that those businesses face, and the survey was really clear that they are looking for a trusted advisor across all of them. Um, So as far as how claims can play a role, we're really the product from an insurance standpoint, right? When you buy an insurance policy, you're really buying a promise for payment when something goes wrong and the claims team is the one whose job it is to deliver on that promise. I always say that, you know, claims are the economic first responders when catastrophes happen. So you know, we'll get to how the claims team needs to deliver, you know, when a loss actually occurs. But in my mind, the role starts far before the loss ever takes place. The claims team deals with a wide variety of losses across a wide spectrum of businesses. That's what we do every single day. And I think we're in the unique position of understanding risks that businesses face because we see the downstream impacts. And it's critical that that as we're seeing those things as a claims team, that we're sharing that intelligence widely, both internally to help with you know our underwriters and loss control, but externally with agents and brokers and policyholders that uh, help mitigate that risk. So just some examples internally, we we use that information to improve products and coverages to meet the insured specific needs. I think Tom Fitzgerald in the prior 
podcasts address that. And, and we share the information with loss control. So when they're figuring out how do you prevent loss, right, they can develop strategies using this real world information. So an example of how we share that externally is through articles and white papers that we publish. So for example, I recently wrote an article about how the pandemic has forced insurers to move forward with virtual adjusting at light speed, which is great for consumers, right? You, you want your losses to be handled in a virtual environment as quickly as they can be handled. Uh, another example was we had a recent white paper published out of our specialty claim group around what would happen if you eliminated the bar exam and what that would mean for malpractice insurance. And I don't share it because I think everyone listening will find that a riveting example. It's more to illustrate that your claims department has a lot of technical expertise. And that technical expertise is something that you can tap into in a very customized way. And I would encourage everybody listening to do exactly that. Uh, other articles include how we're using artificial intelligence and other technology to move the industry ahead or uh, the, you know, how we're dealing with uh, reducing the risk of harassment or employment practices issues. We, we can make a difference and, and we really want to and we're here to do that. And, and you know, the more we can get involved with, with our policyholders, the better. I want to go back to to something you mentioned earlier in your comments around, you know, all of the the resources that you've made available. I think that it's a reality of of human nature that that people and, and businesses often, you know, wait for something bad to happen, unfortunately, but planning ahead is is not always a, a something that they do well. So I was wondering if you could talk about, you know, what this looks like and, and how a claims department can be helpful when they're engaged in the midst of a crisis and maybe someone hasn't interacted with them previously. Yeah, thanks, Katie. We're definitely all prone to that, me included. And generally, it doesn't go that great, right? And, you know, what it usually means when when you're not thinking about it ahead of time is that, you know, there probably could have been more attention paid to how you avoided or mitigated the loss in question in the first place. But that's not always the case, like you said. It's just, that's what happens and that's what insurance is for. And as I mentioned before, there's just so much technical and risk expertise that resides on a claims team and more broadly an insurance company. I just think it'd be a shame to not access that. So I guess my advice for everyone along those lines is just to make sure that your agent or broker is asking an insurance company that's you know potentially going to be providing your coverage what claims can do for you and when they're placing the policy they need to be asking that question and i think so much of the discussion is really focused on price and terms and conditions and that the additional value that insurance companies can bring uh, through the claims area or the loss control area can get overlooked I can mention for our part, we bring collective expertise together. That's what we do. And, and we're here to solve insured's problems and concerns collectively. And maybe that means that we're providing that expert risk guidance that we talked about. Or maybe, maybe it means that we're tailoring product offerings using all those insights of the parties. And I can tell you, not every company does that where you're well-connected amongst all those various parties inside an insurance company so that you have those insights to react to. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, for larger risks, we can uniquely tailor claim handling instructions and we can put together regular reviews of the claims that are happening on your book of business to make sure that we're working as a team. And we count our insureds and policyholders as part of the team 
because those conversations get really robust around nobody wants losses to happen. We're, we're all, you know, kind of aligned in our interests to make sure that they don't. We have a dedicated team here at QBE, our claims relationship management team. They're a dedicated point of contact for claims and all things service related, and they're there to make our customers' lives easy. So again, if the audience is listening to things they can do, that's something you can do. Ask your agent or broker to ask the carriers or ask them directly, do they have something like that so that you can gain the value of, of you know, that service. Mm-hmm. And I think there's certainly value in, in making making one's life easier. But I'm also curious if you've been able to to quantify the impact that comes with having an ongoing relationship with with your claims professional, you know, rather than just turning to them during a, a crisis and, and as a last resort. It's a great question. And the answer is yes and no. A lot of times what we're doing is, you know, preventing loss. And sometimes it gets hard to measure a loss that doesn't happen. But we've got great examples. Uh, One example, you know, we had a customer who was interested in in lowering our claim costs, uh, lowering their claim costs, I should say, for their U.S. locations. So the loss control team here at QBE and the claims team collaborated and and they developed a risk mapping strategy and, and analyzed where the frequency and severity of their claims were occurring, not only by location and department, but by specific geographic area within the actual buildings. And, and so based on those findings, they worked with that company to contact and develop a claims management and ergonomics program uh, that was then franchised throughout their organization. And the very next year, their losses fell by 90%. Think about what that means, right? You're keeping your employees safe. And financially, it's just, it has a huge impact on any organization on reducing insurance costs. I just think it's so important that companies are organized around how they manage their risk. And so I want to move on and talk a little bit about what a business can do when a loss occurs and what some of the best practices are that middle market companies can follow. So I want to ask you for some general tips first and then get into a couple of more specific scenarios. So to start, you know, what are some of the, the general best practices that you'd recommend for someone listening right now? So the first thing I always say is safety first, right? When a loss occurs, just make sure everybody is safe. You don't don't think about what to do from an insurance standpoint until things are are safe and in order there. The next thing I would say is, you know, absolutely involve your agent or broker. They they can be a great liaison uh, in those situations and, and obviously deal with with those types of situations frequently. Um, I would say turn your loss in right away. If there's a question around whether you should turn a loss in, my advice is always turn it in, right? Let your let your insurance company tell you what it means. Don't wait. And generally speaking, speed matters. Claims do not age well. Situations do not age well. You know, facts tend to get lost and your position can, can be deteriorated uh, if you wait. Uh, and then I'd also say, you know, listen, be clear on how you want to be communicated to. I, I think that becomes a frequent issue uh, between carriers and policyholders if folks don't know how they want, you know, communication to be happening. And then maybe the last thing I'd say is hold your claim professional accountable for setting expectations. We're really big on that here at QBE. Like you need to let people know exactly what, you know, the expectations are for this situation you're about to go through. And, and oftentimes when you run into issues, it, it's because folks are just unclear on what the process is. So 
I would say just make sure that you're holding your claim professional accountable. Mm-hmm. No, thanks for those. And, and what about for uh, a scenario that involves property loss? You know, what are steps that a business should take if if they experience this type of loss? So again, always safety first, especially with the property loss, right? So if the, the property has to be safe and, and the injury has to be avoided at all costs. That's number one. You know, two is if you need to complete emergency repairs, don't wait, right? Uh, emergency repairs are just that. It's an emergency. So I wouldn't wait on your insurance company. Again, reporting your claim promptly. We, we can't help you until we know about a, a loss. So implement your contingency plan. Hopefully folks that are, are listening in have contingency plans. That's really important. I would implement that. Taking pictures and, and video of the damage, if it's safe, is a really important thing to do. Uh, assembling financial information. Hopefully that's occurred up front uh, and, and ahead of a loss uh, so that that can expedite the handling. And then the last one might be to, to request an advance payment. I don't think people often do that. And all that means is you're dealing with a situation where you need cash flow, right? Your business has been interrupted in a lot of cases. Your carrier needs to provide you a payment up front, and uh, they should do that of their own volition, but definitely a, a request a payment. You, you don't want things to sort of sit because you don't have cash flow. And then a second scenario I wanted to ask you about involves liability-related loss. Are there any best practices that you'd recommend in, in this type of scenario? Liability losses take many forms. And so there are a lot of things that I think that we would kind of share here. But I will say that, that generally speaking, what we see is probably 90% of the liability losses that we handle are slip and fall. And then outside of that, you know, you, you see things like contract disputes or employment liability or, or other types of losses. But that's primarily what, what I think most folks are dealing with. I would say have a standardized incident report. You know, that should just be part of your practice so that, you know, you always address the facts of a loss, which are really important to document straight away. Again, I would say photographs and video of uh, the scene where it's safe certainly copies of relevant documents, contracts, invoices, those things become really important when you're kind of going through a liability loss. Statements are really important. And and again, if you turn the loss in, that's something we'll do. Noting who the witnesses are. I can't tell you, Katie, how many times we have, you know, had a witness that was apparently at a scene that would have been favorable to our case but if we're not notified right away and it's six months later and the witness is gone, you, you can't put a witness on the stand that you can't find, right? So really important to kind of note who was around and who saw what. Same thing goes for preservation of evidence. You know, you're not thinking about what might occur or a lawsuit that might happen down the road. And so I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen in a product liability case that the product got thrown away. It's really hard to defend a case when you don't have the product, right? So preserving evidence becomes really important from a legal standpoint. And maybe the last thing I'd say is just, again, another reason to reach out to your insurance company is sometimes these cases can be pretty tough situations. And sometimes what we'll do is we'll come in and we will hire counsel on your behalf immediately so that we maintain attorney-client privilege right from the get-go, right? I mean, these, these are things that not everybody's thinking about right at the time. I, I don't know that I would be. Um, but down the road, like if you didn't have 
privilege around the investigation, that can really be a detriment to your case. I think all of these really speak to the importance of planning ahead because to your point, you know, in a crisis situation, a high stress, panic ridden <laughs> incident, like you're probably not going to think about the witnesses or preserving evidence. You're just going to react. So I would imagine having a plan ahead of time should something occur um, just makes the the proceedings afterwards so much easier. 100%. Couldn't have said it any better. And to build on those points, you know, I, I'm curious if there are any suggestions you have um, specifically for getting the best claim results, if there's anything you, you'd add to what you mentioned earlier. I, I would always start with building rapport with your claims team. I, I've been in this business for 30 years, right? And, and I've always taken the approach of building rapport, even, even in liability cases where you have an attorney on the other side. Uh, you know, I think it was my grandma who said, you, you get more flies with honey than vinegar, right? I have a, an example. I had a, it was a claimant, a third party claimant, right? On a claim that I handled when I was a claim adjuster, who she called me for literally 10 years following this loss. And because she just wanted to talk about it. And you know what? You take the time to talk about these things and build rapport because these are challenging situations for people. But it starts with building rapport. So what I would say is if you have a risk department, you know, spend time with your claims team and with your agent and, and review the insurance coverages up front. It's, it's like you said earlier, you're not always planning and thinking about what could happen. And, and you don't always see the value of your insurance policy until a claim happens, right? So, you know, definitely be thinking about that. I, I would say, like we talked about earlier, make sure your carrier is surrounding the account with a team. It can't just be an underwriter who's quoting you a price, right? Your underwriting and loss control and claims teams need to be connected so that we fully understand what your business is about and your risks so that we can tailor solutions. You know, listen, partnering with your claims professional on a plan of action right from the get-go is important so that, that you know, things get expedited and um, exploring options and sharing your expertise to mitigate your loss are really important Everybody on the line here are experts in their business, and, and we want to make sure that, that we're talking to you about what you know. Uh, we bring a lot of expertise, but we know you do as well, and we want you as part of the process because that's always going to make things better. So Eric, as, as businesses plan for next year, you know, we're coming out of 2020, which has been uh, unprecedented for a number of reasons. You know, we're looking out to, to 2021. Are there emerging risks that you're keeping an eye on that you suggest middle market companies, you know, also be thinking about? Yeah. Uh, listen, 2020 is the year of emerging risk, right? <laughs> Lots of risks emerging. Um, yeah. So, you know, one I would would state is front of mind for us here in, in the claims organization is social inflation. And, and I know you covered that in depth with John and he did a great job of kind of speaking to that. Social inflation is not a new trend, right? Uh, this is something that's been going on for a long time. And uh, John Beckman and I, our chief underwriting officer, often talk about this from the perspective that the plaintiff bar is really sophisticated and they're really organized and they are out to maximize, you know, what they get out of insurance companies and out of businesses, plain and simple. I guess what I would say to everybody is your insurance company and your claims team need to be similarly sophisticated and similarly organized. So an example here at QBE is we've implemented a social inflation playbook that, that every single one of our 
claims professionals uses, right? And there are things out there you may have heard of, like the reptile theory that, uh, that the plaintiff's bar is an advocate of, advocate of using, where they're tapping into, you know, your primitive brain and, and trying to create, you know, a situation where everybody is personally scared and therefore are going to punish, right? And they're really good at doing that. So we've got, we've got a whole playbook on how you counter that, and, and hopefully the rest of the industry is doing the same. So another emerging risk that we see is cyber. And you know what we have seen is that the pandemic is creating all kinds of opportunity around cyber, and really that the folks out there that are, are trying to infiltrate organizations have become very sophisticated. The number one thing that you absolutely can do to have a, a positive impact on fighting against cybercrime is awareness. Every employee needs to know what it looks like if it's a phishing or a spoofing attempt. You know, those are things that, that folks need to recognize as they happen. I want to close by kind of recapping what we've already talked about, but you know, if Thinking about a listener of this podcast who's heard you talk about the importance of building a relationship with their claims professional, the importance of planning ahead before a crisis occurs, maybe leave us with a couple of key immediate steps that this listener can take to to get the ball rolling. Sure. So the first thing I would do is I would ask your agent or your broker what any insurance company that, that you're considering to place coverage with what their claims area has to offer, right? That's going to give you an idea of what you can expect and, and what you should be asking for as a consumer. Uh, because I don't, like I said earlier, I don't think that everybody always realizes the additional value that, that we're here and can provide. So I, I would do that first and foremost. Uh, I, I think the second thing that I would do is, is quickly assess, you know, how you're organized around managing your risk. And I can tell you from the claims world, we see companies all across the board on that with regard to how sophisticated they are or not, right? And, and you know, it's my perspective that investments in that area certainly pay off in terms of having a safer workplace for your employees, for creating sustainability in the face of all the risks that, that they face day in and day out. And ultimately financially, like we talked about earlier with the, the example of where they were able to reduce their losses by 90%. So, you know, listen, I can tell you that insurance companies want to help. It's good for everybody. Uh, and the good ones will do so proactively. And I think that's what we're here to, to help with. Uh, the third thing I might say is, you know, I would get to know your claims team like we just talked about. I, I think the way to do that is to reach out through your risk department to either your carrier directly, whoever the contact is, or through your agent or broker. Uh, it, it's certainly in our best interest in the claims uh, area to know you before a loss happens or if you have ongoing losses, that we have an ongoing relationship. It just makes the process go smoothly. And ultimately that positions us to work with you together to get the best outcomes and, and ultimately bring that technical expertise that we talked about uh, to bear relative to helping you manage your forward-looking risk. So, and then the last thing I would say is, you know, have a business continuity or a disaster plan. And if you do have a plan, I imagine many do, you know, it's always timely to revisit those and, and those plans go way beyond just insurance considerations. Uh, but, I, but I think that, you know, I would recommend if you haven't addressed specifically what you would do in the event of a loss within that plan, I, I would consider doing that. B 
because there are a lot of things that occur that again, in the moment when losses are occurring can be really challenging for people and it's a stressful environment. And you know, you're not always going to recall the various steps that happen and we're here to help you do that. Okay. We'll leave it there for today. Eric, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been great talking with you today. Thanks, Katie. It's a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of Middle Market Growth Conversations. Subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts or Google Play, where you can listen to past episodes and hear the next episode in two weeks. While you're there, we'd love if you could rate the show and leave a review to help other listeners find out about us. If you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the podcast, we'd love to hear your suggestions. Please email them to editor at acg.org. I'd also encourage you to check out our website, middlemarketgrowth.org, for more content covering the middle market, private capital investment, and trends in middle market M&A.